Revelation chapter 21 in the word of the Lord Revelation the book of Revelation chapter 21 we're going to continue teaching on heaven this morning we're going to look at the city of heaven Amen. Revelation 21, verse 1. Everybody say heaven. heaven. How many of you want to go to heaven? Amen. Go to heaven. Lift your hand. Amen. Praise God. I want to go to heaven in an ultimate sense, in a literal sense. Amen. Revelation 21, verse 1. John says this, he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Now John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now for your spirit. God, we glorify your holy name, Jesus. Have your way in and through us this morning. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Brother Bobby, are you back there? Brother, I got a little echo here. If you want to maybe pull me down just a little bit. Hear that? That's too much. Way too much. You just barely touch it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We'll try that, okay? It sounds good. Thank you, brother. All right, you may be seated. Revelation 21, we're going to talk about the city of heaven. Last... Sunday we talked about our home that we're going to. Jesus said that he was going to prepare a place for us. That there are many dwelling places in the Father's house. Now we find out that the Father's house is a city. Many dwelling places in this city. The Jerusalem of God. That's where the bride is going to be located. This is a literal city. If you look at verse 1 again of Revelation 21... John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I'd love to get into this new heaven and new earth for you this morning, but I don't have time. But just as there is a literal new earth, there's going to be a literal new Jerusalem. See, you're not talking about a spiritual new earth, nor are you talking about a spiritual new Jerusalem. Now, I believe in the spiritual Jerusalem of God. I'm looking at you. Because you are the bride. But you cannot lose sight of the fact that there is a literal Jerusalem, a literal home that the bride is going to inhabit. So you talk about, how many of y'all ever said, I'm going to go over to so-and-so's house. I'm going to go see so-and-so. And you drive up and there's their house, right? Well, you are identifying the people that live in that house and the house as one together right John sees the city then he sees the lamb's wife the inhabitants of that city so when you talk about the Jerusalem of God it is a literal city a physical material place that you and I are going to it is the home of the bride of Christ now not everybody's going to be in the Jerusalem of God there's going to be some people that inhabit the new earth. So, are you with me? But the bride of Christ, the Lamb's wife, is going to be located in the new Jerusalem. And look up here with me if you could, please. On this chart, 
You see that New Jerusalem right there? Revelation 21 says, coming down from God out of heaven. So it's related to heaven. So in a sense, you can call it heaven, okay? Because its domain is related to heaven. It's going to come down from God out of heaven, and it's going to orbit the new earth. So there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. When you talk about the new heavens and the new earth, you're not talking about cessation. You're not talking about that this heaven that we know is going to be completely gone. Okay? When you talk about a new earth, you're not talking about this earth is going to cease to exist. This one here. That's not what it means. When it talks about a new heavens and a new earth, it's talking about it's like a ship that is passing from one uh, through a transition from one place to another. I've got to do it. I've got to do it. Okay, let's go to 2 Peter. I've got to explain this to you. Okay, 2 Peter, chapter 3 and verse 6. Let's talk about that old world. The old world. Before the flood. Okay? You look up here on the chart, you can see. Where's the flood? Right there. There's the flood, okay? Now, there was an old world before the flood. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 6. Whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Okay? Does that mean that the world, that old world ceased to exist? When it says that it perished. Some people think, well man, that means that the world before the flood, you know. And then after the flood, we have a brand new world. The old one, it ceased to exist. No. When it says it perished, doesn't mean the old world before the flood ceased to exist. Right? Who perished? Not the world, but the inhabitants of the world. The people that were ungodly, that were in that world, they are the ones that perished. The system, the world system perished. Not the globe, not the material uh, terra firma planet. It didn't cease to exist. A flood came and the world passed through a transition. You with me so far? Okay, let's go and look, let's keep reading Revelation. I mean, 2 Peter 3. But the heavens and the earth which are now, the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word, and we're in 2 Peter 3, verse 7. By the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So now God talks about, we had a judgment of a flood of water in the old days, in the days of Noah. Okay, God tells us there's going to be a future judgment of this earth and the heavens, but it's going to be by fire. It's going to be a renovation of the earth by fire. So this earth is not going to cease to exist. The globe is not just going to go out into oblivion and then God make a brand new globe. That's not what it's talking about. He's going to take this globe, this material planet, and He's going to renovate it. He's going to give it a new birth. The Greek word literally means a ship that is passing through the sea in transition from one place to another place. It's not a different ship. It's the same ship that's going from one place to another. So this globe, when it talks about a new heaven and a new earth, this globe is still going to be existence. 
but it's going to be renovated by fire. It's going to be judged by fire. Do you understand? Okay? So when it says he's going to make a new heavens and a new earth, he's going to renovate them. They're going to go through a regeneration. They're going to go through a new, new birth, just like you did. When you went through a new birth, you didn't cease to exist. Did you? I'm still the same person. My body didn't, you know, cease to exist. And, and when I experienced a new birth, you know, God uh, recreated me in every aspect. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Same person, but just be re uh, regenerated and uh, renovated. Do you understand these things? See, a lot of people think that we talk about the new heavens and the new earth, that it's going to be a cessation of this globe. And then God's going to make a brand new one. You with me? He says he's going to make all things new. He doesn't say he's going to make all new things. See, you got to be careful about what you're, what you're reading. He's going to make all things new. He's going to make this globe new. He's going to make the heavens new. Now, right now, in the second heaven, are you with me so far? You have three heavens. We talked about this, the first lesson on heaven. The first heaven is the air. It's the atmosphere. Your clouds are there. Above that is the starry heaven. It's the second heaven. And then above that's the third heaven, the abode of God. Right? When God makes a new heavens and a new earth, He is going to, in the second heaven is where Satan's headquarters is located. He's going to, of course, Satan is going to be judged. The new Jerusalem is going to come down from God out of heaven and it's going to reside there above the earth where Satan's headquarters is located today will no longer be his headquarters. It will be the dwelling place of the Jerusalem of God and the saints of God. You with me so far? So he's going to cleanse the heavens. He's going to get rid of Satan and his headquarters there. Now God is already in the third heaven, but the second heaven is going to be purified. And this atmospheric heaven is going to be purified. Okay? And this earth is going to go through a regeneration process. That's what it's teaching us. So just like the old world did not cease to exist, nor does this world cease to exist, it just goes through a change, a transition, a renewal. All right? The heavens as we know them, the second, the starry heaven. God's not going to get rid of all those planets and all those stars burn them up and then recreate them again he's going to regenerate them he's going to re regenerate that location he's going to get rid of the devil out of it do you understand now really I didn't want to go here but this earth when it's regenerated is going to be inhabited the Jerusalem of God is going to be inhabited by the bride and even many Old Testament saints are going to have access to that, to that Jerusalem of God. But this earth as we know it, a purified, perfected, regenerated earth is also going to be populated. Amen. Now, in Enoch's day, the Bible says Enoch walked with God. He was 365 years old and God took him. Right? What did God do? He planted him in the heavens. So there's going to come a time, what, you know, this is powerful stuff. And, and I, I've never been to all these places, so I'm just trying to teach you what I see in the Word of the Lord. 
But there's going to come a time that this new earth, this perfected earth, is going to be inhabited by men and women who have unglorified bodies. And they're going to walk with God. And what's going to happen to them? Are they going to live on this earth forever and ever and ever and ever? No. Let's go to Isaiah 51. Have you ever asked yourself a question? What, where are the little babies going to be that weren't in the bride, weren't born again of the water and the spirit? Have you ever asked yourself, where are, now please don't take me wrong here. I'm just giving you identification term here. Where are retarded people going to be located? People who don't have the mental capability to understand the new birth. They don't have the understanding to, under, to be born again in the kingdom of God. Is God going to send all those people to hell? Going to send the, the retarded people to hell and the, the, the handicapped people that could not get born again and the little babies that died? and all, Where are they going to be located? You ever ask that question? You ever wonder? Well, the Bible talks about this earth is going to be inhabited. The bride is not going to be on the earth. It's going to be in the Jerusalem of God. God's going to have a place for some of these people. Hello? So they're going to live upon this earth. Enoch is a type of what happens at the end of the seventh day. The millennial kingdom at the end of the kingdom age. Are you with me? He went through a time of probation upon this earth. 365 years and then he was caught up. Now I know I'm losing some of you, but anyway. Jesus, when he was about to go to the cross, when he was transfigured, transfigured, the Bible said he could have been received up at that moment. He did not have to go to the cross. He had come into this world and he lived in this world perfect. He came to a time where his probationary period of time on this earth was ended and he started going through a metamorphosis, a transfiguration. His body began to change. And the scripture says, Luke 9, you can read it. He, he could have been received up right then. You understand? But he said his stay steadfastly to go to Jerusalem to die for us. He didn't have to. He had already fulfilled his time on earth. He completed probationary period of time, and he started going through the change. And it could have been received up just like Enoch was. But he had a job to do, and that was to redeem us. So I'm trying to show you something. Go to Isaiah 51. These people, unglorified saints that are beyond the, on the new earth, the perfected earth, I believe will live out their probationary period of time just as Enoch did because he's a type. And Isaiah 51, praise the Lord. And, I, and, and, you know, the Bible talks about in Matthew 24 and 25, uh, especially Matthew 25, the righteous are going to be brought into the kingdom of God. Hello. Who are these righteous people? Now, I know that could be a term that's used for the church, but in its broadest sense, you know, are you with me here today? The Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth. Are you with me? There's going to be people who inherit the earth. Their inheritance is the earth, not the city. 
The meek shall inherit the earth. Are you with me so far? So not everybody is going to be in this Jerusalem of God. The bride is going to be there. But there are groups like the meek and the righteous. And they're going to have a place. It's on. I believe many of them are going to be on the new earth. And as they live out their time as Enoch did upon this earth 365 years possibly something's going to happen they're going to go through a change in Isaiah 51 I, I wasn't going to do this but I got to because if I'm going to show you the new Jerusalem I got to talk to you about the new earth and the new heaven in Isaiah 51 let's, let's go there you're going to have to give me a little time to find the verse is this okay Talks about planting the heavens. 16. Thanks, brother. Okay. 51, 16. Okay. Thanks. And I have put my words in thy mouth, and I have covered thee in the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth, and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. So God is going to plant the heavens. So there's going to come a time now, you don't have to believe me, just hear me. That these righteous people, these meek that will inherit the earth, are going to be like Enoch. They're going to be walking with God, serving God, but they're not going to stay on the earth in an unglorified body. They're going to be translated just like Enoch was, and they're going to be planted in the heavens. So you've got nations that are on the earth that are bringing their glory into the city of God. You've got unglorified men and women on the earth bringing their glory into the city of God. I believe you got the meek that, I think it's Psalm 37. You can check me out, 36 or 37. The meek shall inherit the earth. And the righteous, hallelujah, they're going to have a place. But they're not in the bride. But I don't believe God's going to leave in unglorified bodies forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. At some point, you're going to be like Enoch, caught up, planted in the heavens. Okay. Wow. So just think about that for a while. Just think about it, huh? I'm not telling you you have to believe me. There's a lot of things I believe that probably most of you don't believe. It helps me stay right with God. See? Hallelujah. Because I have a lot of questions in my mind. I have a questions in my mind about what happens to little babies that die. You know, that ha what happens to the handicapped people that never got in the kingdom of God. That don't have even the mental capability of even understanding what you tell them. You know, I have questions about people who were martyred for Jesus Christ but weren't baptized in His name or filled with His Spirit. But they paid the ultimate sacrifice and, and died for Him. Where are they going to be? You know. Even what about John the Baptist? He wasn't a part of the church. The church wasn't even in existence before he died. Where's he going to be? Where's Job going to be? Where's the Old Testament Gentiles that were saved? Where are they going to be? Understand? There were very precious few Gentiles that were saved in the Old Testament. Very precious few. So I'm trying to show you something. God, you got to expand your understanding about God. See? So, and I'm, I'm, hey, I might stand for God. And God said, you're totally messed up on that. You know, you just, you didn't have that right. But the meek shall inhabit the earth. 
righteous are going to have a place. Have you ever asked yourself these questions? Do you even care? <laughs> so the earth is going to go through a re regeneration, a renovation, a renewal. And then God's going to inhabit the earth. And then at some point, he's going to plant the heavens. I believe with those righteous people, you understand, the meek, etc., Going to plant. But the bride is the lamb's wife is going to be in the city of God, the Jerusalem of God. Okay, now. Well, how many of y'all believe what I just said? Well, hallelujah. You, you got guts. You really do, man. Okay. You got to ask yourself questions like that. I mean, I don't know, man. God's in charge of everything. <laughs> he, you know, but you're going to see in Revelation here that we got the nations of the earth, that new Jerusalem of God that's come down and orbiting over the new earth. We've got nations bringing their glory into it. Either that's the glorified bride bringing her glory unto God, glorified bride, or it's non-glorified people who are on the earth bringing their glory and honor into that city. So they'll have access to the city, but that's not their home. Their home is an earthly inheritance. See, God gave promises to certain people that were earthly related. An earthly inheritance was promised to some. We've got a heavenly promise. We've got a new Jerusalem promise if you are in the bride. Okay? So God's going to keep his covenant and his promises of inheritance to people that he made an earthly promise to. And he's going to keep his promise to people that he made a, a, a new Jerusalem promise to. He's going to keep that. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Woo. My. Mind-boggling, isn't it? Did that make sense? Do y'all understand what I said? I mean, it's really not all that difficult. You know. God's going to renovate this earth. He's going to renovate the heavens. It's going to populate the earth. But now we're going to talk about a city. It's a literal, physical city, just like the new earth is a literal, physical earth. That city is a literal, physical, material city. He's going to show you that city. Then he's going to show you who lives in the city or the home of God. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Help me this morning. So John says, verse 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. Word passed away. Like a ship. Passed away. Going from one transition to another transition. Okay. Yeah. Now we got into a big discussion on this when we had our prophecy conference. You remember that? Question came up. They asked Tim Cohen about the new heavens and the new earth, you know. And he was the opinion that it was going to be a completely brand new creation of God. Okay. There was a big discussion. I don't agree with that. Hallelujah. That don't mean it's right. No, it is right. Just study it. I don't believe that he had studied it carefully. Looked at the words carefully. He's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I, I just, anyway. Okay. So it is important, I think, for us to understand these things. So we have... 
a degeneration. We have generation in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis, the generations of God. We have them put in a garden of Eden, a beautiful paradise before the fall, but then man fell into sin and it became a degeneration. Then Jesus came. He died on the cross so that there would be a regeneration. Right? Not just a regeneration of people, but a regeneration of this earth. So it went from generation to degeneration to regeneration. So just like you have been made new, but you're still the same person, God's going to make this earth and the heavens new, but it's still going to be the same ones just gonna go through that process okay all right so John verse 1 I saw a new heavens and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there were was no more sea hello wonder why no sea Leviathan the dragon habitation of the dragon won't be there amen Verse 2, and I, John, now what is, he sees this new Jerusalem. He said, I, John, saw the holy city. It's called New Jerusalem. It's not talking about the old city of Jerusalem today that's over there in Israel. That little bitty country that's about the size of New Jersey. Real little country. Okay? That is a burdensome stone for all people. He understand. He's not talking about that little old city of Jerusalem. He's talking about a new Jerusalem that's going to come down from God out of heaven. Now I know that I'm looking at you spiritually as the spiritual Jerusalem of God. Hebrews 12. But we're talking about a literal city. So he says, And I, John, saw the holy city. New Jerusalem, say New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. So in a sense, it's not heaven because it's coming down from God out of heaven. But in a sense, it is heaven because its dominion, domain is located in the heavenly realm. Okay, now I don't want to blow your mind with that, but that that really doesn't matter. Just say, I'm going to heaven, the Jerusalem of God. Really, the the Jerusalem of God is the city of heaven. If you want to be real technical, you know. Like, I got, see, when I talk to y'all, y'all are theologians. I got to be careful, man. I mean, you know. So he sees this, say, holy city. You know, Paris is exciting if you go there. I've never been there, but I've heard Paris is exciting. You know what I mean? New York, maybe. Rome, big cities, major cities. I've been to Hong Kong, humongous, man, you know. Woo, neat cities, right? Some of them have education, some of them have culture, some of them have history, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. But you know what? There's no city in the world that's called a holy city. There's no physical, literal, material city in this world that is holy. Only the new Jerusalem of God, that literal city that's going to come down from God out of heaven, it is called a holy city. It's got a holy God in it. It's got holy angels in it. It's got holy saints in it. 
There is no devil there. There's no dirt there. There's no sin there. There's no ungodliness there. There's no unholiness there. It is a holy city inhabited by holy people, holy angels, and a holy God, and his name is Jesus. Okay? It's a holy city. Now, I know, how many of y'all like to take vacation? Y'all like to go see the big city. Maybe that's Crane. I don't know. We're going to see the big city. We're going to Pecos, Pastor. Gardendale, here we come. You know, I don't know. But wherever you go, man, it's, they're none of them a holy city. They've all got sin in them. They've all got the devil working in them. They, come on. They've all got carnal-natured people in them. Still got carnal-natured people right here and here. But there, it's a holy place. It's a holy city. So it's not just exciting like Paris or New York or have culture like Rome and all of that stuff. It is a holy city. It's coming down from God out of heaven. Are you with me? It is prepared as a bride. So, you know, now I've taught you before. You can get the redemptive teaching on the book of Revelation that the city, you know, is it's the bride. Well, in a, in a, that is true. But literally, technically, the physical city is where the bride lives. The bride of Christ. Now, how do you get in the bride of Christ? You with me? See, I don't want to just inhabit the earth. And I don't want to be planted in the heaven somewhere. Wherever that is. I want to be a resident, a citizen in that city. So I've got to know how to get in that city. And the Bible says this. Very easy. Acts 2.38. Give you one verse. John 3. 3 through 5. But Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said you must be born again in the water and the Spirit. So if you're going to be in the bride, then you've got to have His name. He's the bridegroom, and if you're going to be his bride, that means you're going to have to have had taken his name and entered into covenant with him into the blood covenant. Okay? So you got to be born again if you want to go there. Doesn't mean join the church here and get your name on the record book here. you got to get your name in the Lamb's book of life. And the only way that you can get in that book is to be born from above, be regenerated. Right? Goodness, are y'all going to heaven? That's what you got to do. You don't come up and shake the pastor's hand. You don't want to shake my hand. You don't even want to know me. Hallelujah. You won't know Jesus. So we're not asking you to join our church. We're not asking you, you know, to shake my hand or get to know Brother Thurman here. We're not, you know, that's not going to put you in that city. Praise God. Because you're going to find out that when you get in that city, there is no church building. There are no denominations. 
There are no church locations that you can go to. There are no Baptists there and no Pentecostals there and, and no Catholics there. There is no temple there. The whole city is a cube. The whole city is a holy of holies. Direct communication with God. No ritual or form, ceremony, circumstance that separates you from God. No different place that you've got to go to to worship Him. The whole place is a worship center. Okay, so I said all that to tell you. The only way to get into that city is to be born again of the water and the Spirit. And then live holy because only holy people go to this holy place. And because it is a prepared place, only prepared people go there. You got to get a reservation in advance to be there. Now, we all ever just showed up in the city think, I'm just going to get me a room tonight. Hey, I want a room. Can I have a room? We're all booked. Oh, and you walk away, you walk out of that place, there's no room for you, you know, in the inn. And what's going on? Uh, did you make a reservation? No. Just thought I could just show up here and thought, thought there'd be a place for me. No, you got to make a reservation, sir. This thing's booked long in advance. Come on. We got to have your reservation, we got to have your name on the books. You, you should have prepared before you came here because if you're not prepared, then you can't stay here. So you, all right, so you get the point. So if you're going to be in that holy city, you got to be prepared. You got to be born again of the water and the spirit. You got to take the name of the bridegroom. You got to have his nature in you. Your name's got to be written in the Lamb's book of life. You got to be a descendant of Jesus Christ spiritually. You got to prepare in advance. You got to make reservations. That means, okay, you come over here, you get baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. Like Karina did. When was it? Sunday night. Karina got baptized in Jesus' name. She's filled with the Holy Ghost. Right now, she's in the bride, right now. And as long as she continues to live for the Lord in righteousness and holiness, come on. That's where she's going to stay. That's where you're going to be. And here's the good news. God doesn't want anybody left out. You can say, man, I'm just not worthy of that place. You're right, nor am I. I don't deserve to be there. I, I didn't pay the fee to have a place there. He paid it with his blood. Come on. He purchased it with his blood. And then he gave you a receipt at his resurrection. So it's paid for. I've got a receipt. Do you got your receipt? Have you applied his work to your life? Have you been born again? Have you applied what he did for you to your life so that it's already paid for? You've got a receipt now. And so one day he's going to say, come on in. Come into my house. Come into my city. And he paid that price on that cross and rose again to give you that receipt so that nobody, nobody would have to miss living there forever and ever. 
you can be there. Listen, if God can save this man, he can save anybody. Now, I'm going to tell you, though, who's not going to be there? People who think they're good enough to be there. Mm -mm. Jesus wouldn't have had to die for you if you were good enough to be there. Give God some praise. So he says, he said he saw this holy city. said the new Jerusalem is coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride, as a bride, adorned for her husband, the like-ass principle. Man, that's where she lives. And everything about that Jerusalem talks about the bride and the bridegroom that's living there. Hallelujah. All the materials that are in it. Are y'all okay? <laughs> okay. Y'all look like somebody. Are y'all all right? Yeah. Good. The Bible says in verse 3, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God so watch this Jerusalem of God has come down from heaven and it's orbiting over the earth and now the tabernacle of God is with men Jesus is God in flesh and he's dwelling in the midst of his people right there now it's come down the tabernacle of God has come down the city of God has come down the home of God has come down with its inhabitants, and there it is, orbiting the new heaven or the new earth. Say amen. amen. All right, y'all get the picture, don't you? It's not sitting on the earth because it's so heavy it would crush the crust of the earth. It's made out of solid gold. If it did set down, it just go right through the crust. You wait till we talk about the size of this city, you know. Okay, what? All right. Man, it's got to, it's going to hover. It's like a satellite. Can you believe that? Do you know that right now, this Jerusalem of God is up there in the third heaven? You haven't seen it yet unless you, you know, unless you've been translated in the spirit up there. Like Paul. Or like John, able to see in the spirit, brother, that city. It's there right now. Yes, it's literal. It's right. physical. But there's going to come a time it's going to come down out of the third heaven. And it's going to hover over the new earth. You understand these things, don't you? Praise God. But it's there right now. Yeah. Some people have experienced near-death experiences, you know. They say they've been there and they've seen the city. It's in existence right now. It's not going to be made. It already exists. It existed before this earth existed. And it wasn't made with physical hands. It was made by God. A city not made with hands. Eternal in the heavens. God didn't make it with his physical hands. He didn't get a hammer out. He's God. He just... Anyway, all right. Hey, hey, if he said about, if he spoke this planet into existence, you know he spoke that into existence. <coughs> all right, watch. Now, let's look at this. The Bible talks about, 
Now the bride's wife is in there. In verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death. Hallelujah. No more dying. Things that are not going to be in this city. We know the bride, the lamb's wife is going to be there, but there's some things that are not going to be in that city. Some of these things are listed here. No more crying. No more death. No more sorrow. No crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. Don't have to take pain pills anymore. There's no graves in that place. There's no funeral procession in that place. Nobody's dying there. Nobody's cutting flowers and putting them on your grave there. There's no sickness there. Nobody, come on, no sorrow there. There's no decay there. Not getting old there. How many of y'all take pain pills? Brother, takes pain. Brother, there's going to come a time if you're ready to meet God. Hallelujah. And I believe you will be. That you're not going to have to take that stuff anymore. <laughs> Why is it? Because you're going to have an indestructible body. Your body is going to be suited to live there. It's going to be glorified. It's not going to be limited to, and, and subject to pain and sickness and death and decay. It's going to be glorified. You're going to be brighter than the sun. You, you are going to be brighter than the stars of heaven. You're going to shine. He that winneth souls is wise. You're going to shine as the brightness of the firmament. You're going to be like a star, man, in radiant glory. Your body's not going to be subject to this decay and sickness and, and tiredness and weakness and death. Isn't that awesome? Oh, for the former things are passed away. In a new trend, we win a new thing and transition. Watch this verse 5. He that sat upon the throne. Now the throne of God is in that place, in that Jerusalem. Behold, I make all things new. Remember? He didn't say, I make all new things. He said, I'm just going to make everything new. I'm going to regenerate them. I'm going to renew them. I'm going to renovate. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. New heavens, new earth, new Jerusalem of God. <clears throat> now watch this. Verse 6, he said unto me, it is done. Think his neighbor say, it is done. John already saw it. He saw it 2,000 years ago. Come on, I'm telling you, it's already there. Hallelujah. Man, if you could, you get a spaceship and a rocket, if you can make it that high, you'd see that city. It's done. John already saw it finished. Now watch. You with me so far? Okay, I'm looking at verse 7 of Revelation 21. If you don't have a Bible, would you lift your hand? We'll get you a Bible. Make sure you got a Bible. Anybody need a Bible? Follow along? Praise the Lord. All right, I'm going to turn my back so nobody has to. Now you can lift your hand. <laughs> All right. Get them a Bible. Praise the Lord. <laughs> okay. Now watch. Verse 7. Who's going to be in that city? He that overcometh. That city is a place located where the bride is located, but they're overcomers. They have overcome sin. They have overcome the devil. They've overcome the world. They live, listen, 
they live by the rules of heaven down here and when they get there they experience the benefits of those rules that they kept down here they are prepared they've lived holy and they've lived by the rules of heaven they are overcomers and when the devil tries to come and tempt them they resist temptation and when the world tries to come and seduce them they resist the world's temptation and when that flesh rises up and try to turn them away from God they overcome the flesh by the Holy Ghost they're overcomers see are you with me not everybody's going to be there you got to be an overcomer to be there and I'm going to tell you right off it's not going to be easy it's easy to get in the kingdom but it's a battle to stay in it you're going to have to overcome family. You're going to have to overcome the world. You're going to have to overcome the devil. You're going to have to overcome your own self. You're going to have to lay down your life for Jesus. It's not easy. If, it's e if it were easy, everybody would be there. It's a place for overcomers. Overcomers. Amen. Now you're saying to yourself, can I do this? Yes, you can. Because God has given you everything you need to be an overcomer. <clears throat> He's given you a church to help you along the way. A preacher to preach you. A pastor to pastor you. Come on. Prayer to strengthen you. Holy Ghost power. The name of Jesus. You see, I still get excited about His name. Some people have lost their excitement about the name of Jesus, but I have not lost my enthusiasm about the name of Jesus. So it's not going to be easy. No, you're going to have to overcome, but you can be there. Come on, amen. Now he says this. Watch this. Now we're going to find out some things, some other things that are not in heaven. Okay? Y'all still awake? Praise God. He said, but the fearful, you see? So he's going to show you, to be an overcomer, you can't be fearful. You can't be a coward in this thing. You're going to have to be a real man and a real woman to be there. The fearful, the unbelievers are not going to be there. Unbelieving. And the abominable, disgusting things, uh, hate God, things that God hates. Murderers are not going to be there. Whoremongers are not going to be there. Sorcerers, the Greek word pharmakia, people who take drugs. I'm not talking about prescription drugs like brothers' pain pills. I'm talking about sorcery, mind-altering Things that give you illusions and change your perception. Those kind of drugs. Okay? Pharmakia. So people who take drugs are not going to be there. Idolaters aren't going to be there. All, oh, you say, well, I don't do any of that, Pastor. You know? I don't do abominable things. I've never murdered anybody. I've never committed uh, fornication. And, and hormone. I've never, you know, smoked pot, sh you know, shot up drugs, take LSD, Whatever. He said, I've never done any of that, Pastor. But what about idolatry? And if you haven't done any of that, what about lying? 
Ooh. Say, but Pastor, I, I told a lie in my life. That's right. That's why you needed the cross. That's why you needed to be born again. That's why you needed somebody to pay your sin. But he's talking about somebody who lives a habitual lifestyle of lying. But you don't have to be any of these other things to not go there. Just be a liar. Telling you access to hell is easy. But there's no exit there. And if you're, you know, if you're not in the places that God has designated for His redeemed, then that's where you'll be. But He says this. Okay, all liars. I don't have any liars in here, do I? You don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. <laughs> Hopefully you're not a liar anymore. That's what you used to do. But you're not. You have a total lie, have you, since you got born again? Praise the Lord. The Bible says what's going to happen. They're going to have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. The lake of fire, which is the second death, eternal separation from God in a physical body that has been resurrected, that's suited for eternal punishment. So listen to me. I'd rather have eternal bliss in that city than to go into that place. Horrible. We preached on that Sunday night. We preached on that Sunday night. Welcome to eternity. The Bible says in verse 9, There came unto, unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. I'm going to show you the inhabitants of that city. And it's the Lamb's wife, the bride. Verse 10, He says, He carried me away and Oh, yeah, see, let's get away from that hell thing. I mean that for real. I mean, don't, don't do this. Don't play around with God. Just hanging on, you know, just, be, oh, are you not in there? Man, you want to get away from, as far from that place as you can. You don't want anything to do with hell. It's real. Just as real as the new earth. Just as real as the new heavens. Just as real as that new Jerusalem is the lake of fire. It's just as real and just as eternal. It is forever. And there's going to be people living there. Not living there. But experiencing a perpetual death. There in that place. Not everybody's going to be in that city. There's going to be some people, he shows us right here, that's going to be in a literal lake of fire. It all depends on you, and it all depends on me. Because Jesus has already made a way for you to be in that city. If you're not in that city, it's because you chose not to go there. You chose to give yourself to the world, the devil, and the flesh, and the lust of the flesh. And you chose that. See, now listen. Don't deceive yourself, nor let the devil deceive you into thinking that you can live an ungodly lifestyle and an unholy lifestyle and still go to heaven. Amen, somebody. But I thank God for the salvation power of Jesus Christ. That if you are in any of these things right now, God can set you free, redeem you, forgive you for your past, and give you a brand new future. 
You know what? Let me just back up just a little bit. If I had died at 18 years of age, I'd be in hell right now. I thought about that just the other day because I lived a partying lifestyle. You understand? I did not know God. Come on, I partied all the time. And I thought about it. Y'all came real close to death, man. One time I remember specifically on the drag. We called it the drag. We was riding around, you know, listening to music and getting wasted and all that stuff. You know what I'm talking about. And I went around. I made a left turn off of 42nd onto Andrews Highway. And there was a car. He was going at least 100 miles an hour, maybe more. And he went right in front of me. Had he hit us, we'd be in eternity right now. That close to eternity. That close to hell. And that's why I tell you right now, don't wait till tomorrow to get in his kingdom. Don't wait and think about it. Today is the day of salvation. And I'll give you an opportunity before we leave here this morning to get in the kingdom of God. You don't want to risk it. You don't want to take a chance. Eternity is too long. And But by the grace of God, by the grace of God, I got born again, baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. By His grace. Have you ever thought about how close you were to hell? You need to think about that. God brought you out of a lifestyle of ungodliness. You need to clap your hands and shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph for what He saved you from. And what He saved you to. Wasn't for God's grace, every one of us in this church right now would be in hell right now with no way out of that place. And some of you right now are still there. You're not burning right now, but you're still there because if you die right now, that's where you'd go. And you know that. I don't have to tell you about where you are. I don't have to tell you about how sinful we are. I don't have to describe to you how vile you are. You know that. What I need to tell you is the way out of that place. And I was thanking God for that. I said, God, you know, at that time I was so deceived. You know, even in that lifestyle, I thought I was still going to heaven. And now that I'm a born-again believer and I look back at it, I say, you know, God, just that close. Boom. I would be in hell today. I would be in hell right now. No chance of ever getting out. You need to thank God. Say, Pastor, I just go through so much down here and I really suffer down here. Honey, you got something to worship God about. That's your eternal home. The Bible says, and there came one of the angels. Okay, he talked about verse 10. He carried me. This angel carried John away in the spirit. Say in the spirit. spirit. To a great high mountain. He had to get on this high mountain because he couldn't see that city in its vastness if he wasn't standing on a high mountain and able to look at that. Amen. Now, I don't have time. But you know where he saw that old false church system? That harlot riding on the back of the beast, he saw her galloping in the wilderness. But when he shows John the Jerusalem of God, he don't show her in a wilderness. He takes him to a high mountain. And he shows him the bride, the lamb's wife. Amen? 
You know, I almost sound like I'm singing this. There's a, oh, no, I can't sing, but it's almost like there's a song in this preaching today. It's like I'm not just saying it, but there's something there. It's like a song in my spirit. Hmm. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. He's going to show you who's in that city. He'll show you that city. Having the glory of God. Say the glory of God. Now say the glory of God. The manifest presence of God. Who is God? Jesus. The Bible says, got the glory of God in her light. Her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. He said, that city, look at this city. This is Jerusalem of God here that's coming down from God out of heaven. This literal city. He says, he, just, he begins to describe it. It's got the glory of God in it. Her light, say the light of that city, was like unto a stone most precious, like a jasper stone. Clear as crystal. Some people translate, some translators translate, it's like a diamond. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? If the bride and the bridegroom live in that city, it would be interesting if the whole city is one big diamond and his glory, his light is shining through that diamond and on that diamond and that light is reflected off of that diamond and all the many faceted rainbow colors are reflected off of that diamond and it's just glowing a huge diamond in the sky. But that diamond, is not only is that city crystal clear like a diamond, it's made out of solid gold. It's crystal clear gold. How have you ever been in a city where the whole city was made out of solid gold? And then it's crystal clear. Like a diamond. Jasp and it's just reflecting light. How many of y'all got a diamond on? Anybody got a diamond on this morning? I don't have a diamond on right now. But if you shine it, put it in the sun, let that sun hit that thing, man, it casts light and all kinds of colors of the rainbow, you know. Oh, can you just imagine God's light shining through that diamond city, solid gold. Woo! This is this prepared place that he's prepared for. Prepared people. This is where I'm going. It's where you're going. If we overcome. Say, look at him and say, it's crystal clear. And then he talks about this wall, this wall around the city. Had a great wall, a, uh, had a wall, great and high, and had 12 gates. And at the gates, 12 angels, and the names written therein were the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. So he shows us this wall around this city, and he goes on and he says it's 144 cubits high. Some people say that should be translated depth instead of height. That it should be 144 cubits wide, you know. Are you with me so far? But really, it's, you know, you can't be conclusive either way. High or depth, but it's still big wall. Yeah. I mean, if it's 144 cubits high, a cubit is about two foot. It's the elbow to the longest finger of a king, 18 to 22 inches. That's about two foot is what a cubit is. You got two, 144 cubits, that's around 288 cubits or thereabout. 
Say amen. amen. Are you with me? Praise God. 288 feet. 144 cubits of 288 feet. Hallelujah. Divide that by three. You got about 70 yards. That wall is about 70 yards high. That's almost a football field high. But that's a little bitty thing in comparison to that city. So it sure could be that it's 70-something yards thick. Okay, but just let you think a little bit. But let's, let's, let's look, look at this wall, all right, around the city. You know what? Bible says it's got 12 gates in it. Now, when we look at the size of this city, the city's 1,500 miles, not just square, but it's cubed. It's 1,500 mile cube, approximately 1,500 miles this way, 1,500 miles wide, and then 1,500 miles up in the air. That's how big the city, the crystal clear city is. Are you with me? And if it's 1,500 miles cube, that means if you've got a wall going around that city, that means you got 1,500, 1,500, 1,500, 1,500. You've got 6,000 miles worth of wall. Wow. 6,000 miles worth of wall. Go all the way up to Maine and all the way down to Florida. That's how wide it would be. And go all the way from the Atlantic Ocean all the way to the Colorado River, and that's how wide it would be. You could put it on the United States of America. And just have a little hanging over on the side. But then it's 1,500 miles high. You've got 6,000 miles of wall. <laughs> Maybe 72 uh, yards thick. Maybe high. Either way you look at it, it's humongous. <laughs> How many ever seen a fence 6,000 miles in length? Amen. <clears throat> and those gates in that wall, can you imagine a 6,000 mile wall? You've got 12 gates, three on each side. How huge those gates are. You see, when you think about the city, you think about a gate about the size of that wall, that door walking out. That's about how wide you see that gate, don't you? Look, everybody turn. You can turn. Look. That, that's about how big you see that gate, don't you? You see a little old gate, you know, like the gate on your fence at home. No, three gates split up between 1,500 miles on each side, 6,000 total miles of wall. Those gates are huge, huge. Millions of people making access into them from either side. They're large, humongous gates. And they're made out of solid pearl. And in that culture, the pearl was more precious than gold. It was the most precious thing you could have in that day. And God said the gates, the access into that city are made out of solid pearl. And they're huge. You've never seen an oyster in your life big enough to make that gate. And you know, in, in our natural culture, you know where you get a pearl, don't you? Not cultured pearls. Cultured pearls are man-made pearls. 
Hallelujah. I'm talking about the real thing, the real deal. You know where you get a real pearl? You get it out of an oyster. You know what that oyster did? He picked up a grain of sand, sucked it up into his, into his body, and then he began to coat that because of the pain that was in there. And then when they opened that pearl, blood and water, the pearl comes out in blood and water. That's the church of the living God. Through his, through his suffering, through his pain, out of his side came forth blood and water. And when, he, when that water and blood flowed... He made a bride. He made a pearl of great price. And so the access into that city came as a result of his suffering and death on the cross for you. The blood and the water that flowed from his side produced a woman, a bride, an Eve. That's how you get there. And they're not little things. Huge things. Yeah, man. And over the top of those gates, the Bible said you got the names of the 12 children of Israel. Wow. So Jerusalem, Old Testament saints, are the Jerusalem of God, the, the uh, born-again Israelites in the kingdom of God, they're going to be in there. And on the foundation of that wall, you got the 12 names of the 12 apostles. So the church is going to be there. Come on. Yes. So he says on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So the gates have the 12 tribes, tribal names of Israel on the top, and the foundations got the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Ooh, there's, there's a, 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 who would that be? A Matthew. He's in the foundation. Come on. Give me some more disciples. Some more apostles. Peter. Oh, yeah, Peter's got his name there. Well, Ephesians 2 says, You're built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So these are apostolics in that church. They've obeyed the apostolic message to repent and be baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Say amen. Are y'all getting anything out of this? Y'all ready to go home? Okay. Okay, y'all with me so far? So the foundations of that wall. He that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city. So, you know, it's got to be real city. You're going to measure it. And the gates thereof and the wall thereof and the city. Now you're going to talk about the city that the wall is around. Okay? Praise God. Is it getting that late? What time is it? Can you believe it's almost 12 o'clock? I can't believe that. Hallelujah. Watch. Are y'all still awake? Now he goes back to the city. He says it lies four square. And the length is as large as the breadth. He measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. He said the length and the breadth and the height are all equal. And, you know, these furlongs equal... When you calculate it, right at around 1,400 miles, but we'll just use the 1,500 mile, round it off to the nearest, you know. It's at exactly just a little bit under 1,400 miles, around 1,397 miles, but we'll just go with 1,500 just for the sake of memory. That city is 1,500 miles square, and it's not just square, but it's a cube. It's 1,500 miles high. It is a perfect cube. 
which means this, that it is a holy of holies because the holy of holies is a cube. Ten by ten by ten. Come on, somebody. So watch this. It's 1,500 miles square, but it's not a square. It's a cube. Are y'all awake? That's huge. And I told you last week that if God put 10 billion people in that city, 10 billion, not million, 10 billion people, if God put 10 billion people in that city, everybody in that city would have a dwelling place, a home of 14 miles and a hundred foot high. The ceiling would be a hundred foot high. Come on, man, you know how big that is? That's about as big as Odessa, Texas. That would be your home. Hallelujah. You have never seen a building like this in your life. That's if 10 billion people live there. It won't be crowded. You're not going to have to worry about neighbors, you know, crowding you out. You might even get a little lonely. Fort neighbor's nearest neighbor, Fort, almost 15 miles away. Huh. Thank you, Jesus. That's how big that thing is. But it's, it's 1,500 miles up, so watch this. We're talking about that way. But then layer upon layer and upon layer and upon layer for 1,500 miles, 1,500 miles up, layer upon layer upon layer, and a street running through all of that. If you're on the first level, you look up through all that transparent layers and street of gold and Blows my mind, man. Amen. See, it's not a square only. Can you imagine how long that street is? You know it's at least 1,500 miles if it's just, you know, one way here 1,500 and one way there 1,500 miles. You know it's at least that long. But then you got all of that up there 1,500 miles going up. That's a long street. It's not made out of asphalt, and it's not made out of rock, and it's not made out of dirt, and it's made out of gold. God uses gold to make his street. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We use the, the, you know, the ugliest stuff we can find to make our streets out of. God makes it out of the most beautiful, beautiful, precious things. Yes. Are you with me so far? <sighs> and he measured the wall thereof, 144 cubits. That gives you the size of the wall, according to the measure of a man. That is an angel. And the building of the wall of it was jasper. Look at this. This wall is like a diamond or a jasper. They translated diamond in many places. A, like a crystal gem. The wall is look, look like a crystal gem. It don't make it out of cinder block or wood or chain link. Oh, I hate chain link. I had chain link. I, I don't even know if you can go to heaven if you got chain link fence. Chain link. 
This thing, I, I didn't mean to offend all the chain link people. <laughs> but that wall, like a jasper in the city, the Bible says here tells you, pure gold, like under clear glass. Beautiful, isn't it? And then he talks about the foundations of the wall. Look what the foundations are made out of. The wall is a jasper, crystal clear. But then he talks about the foundation of the wall running around that wall. He said, they are made out of precious gems. Not concrete. Come on. Can you imagine what one gem, one diamond the size of an egg would cost you? One sardis stone, the size of an egg, what it would cost you. We're not talking about a sardis stone the size of an egg or a, or a jasper or a diamond the size of an egg. We're talking about, come on, the foundation of a wall that's around 6,000 miles in length. Where'd God get all them gems? These are the foundation of the wall. It was garnished. The foundation of the wall was garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, like a diamond. The second, sapphire. That's beautiful blue. The third, chalcedony. The fourth, an emerald. We got some green here. You with me so far? Emerald, green. Chalcedony, I believe, is gray and red. Uh, the fifth, sardonyx. Sardonyx. The sixth, sardius. That's beautiful, dark, blood red. The seventh, chrysolite. The eighth, beryl. The ninth, topaz. The tenth, topaz, light green. The tenth, a chrysoprasis. The eleventh, adjacent. The twelfth, an amethyst. That'd be a purple. And I don't remember all these colors, but I'm telling you, man, there's red there. There's yellow there. There's blue there. There's dark green there. There's aqua green there. There's light green. There's purple. But, oh, yeah, the colors are beautiful. But think about what, what, has the color gems these things garnish the foundation these precious stones they go around that wall humongous you with me so far give God some praise and now I got all this down I got it on a transparency I got all these these gems and I have their colors but I don't want to do that I, I just want to keep flowing here I didn't bring it with me anyway hallelujah beautiful though see when you look at this thing what you need to understand is the brilliance the brightness the beauty the glory of that thing I mean it doesn't have doyle 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 dull it doesn't have dull faded colors it's got brilliant vibrant colors one man from a different country, he came to America. He was a preacher from a different country. He came to America. He said, everything in America is so bright. The colors are so bright. He said, I'll go back to my country. In my country, everything is dull, dull in color, you know. No bright colors. And he asked God, this man asked God, said, God, why is it that my country, all the colors are dull? But in America, they are so vibrant and so beautiful. And God said, because a nation that doesn't have God in it is a dull nation. Amen. But because what little of God we still have in our nation, 
we see we got beautiful bright colors everywhere in our nation with what little God we have he God showed that minister that because that country lacked God's presence there everything was dull but because America does have some of God God in that country that the colors are bright so where God dwells it's a bright brilliant lighted place brilliant color are y'all still awake the 12 gates now here's where we get that gates are pearl and the 12 gates were 12 pearls every several gate was one pearl one solid pearl man and the street of the city was pure gold it don't say streets it just says street singular because ultimately it's all going to lead to him but I'm telling you, can you I'm going to get you back to thinking again. That one street, 1,500 miles, all those intersections, and still one street. I don't know how you can have intersection with one street. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe there are no intersections there. But one, the millions of miles, and the street is solid gold. Hallelujah. Can you imagine that? See, I get excited about this, you know, because I'm going there. Maybe you're not excited because maybe I would hate to think that you're not going there. But come on. Now, listen, can I tell you something? How many ever got a guidebook, you know, like a foreign country you were going to go travel to? Or maybe you're going to go to Hawaii and you got a travel guide. Or maybe you're just going to Crane, like I said earlier. And you went to the, to the bookstore and said, I'd like a travel guide to Crane, Texas. <laughs> you know, and they tell you about all the restaurants that are there. And they tell you about you know, the highways and the cities and what the great attractions are that are there. You know, you got the guidebook. And, but you've never been there, you know, so you could just look at the guidebook. You know, I, we've got the guidebook and it describes this place. But I want to tell you something. I have never been there. And my imagination cannot comprehend the size or the beauty or the brilliance of that place. It is beyond my ability to comprehend it. But I can get excited about it. I haven't even been there, but I can get excited about it. How do you know it's there? Because the Bible tells me it's there. Hebrews chapter 11. If you read Hebrews 11, 12, and 13, you're going to find out that, that Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker is God. Right. Bible talked about they looked for a better country. Right. They looked for one to come, a city to come. Right. Talked about all these believers, you know. They lived in caves and lived in dens. And the, the, the Bible says, of whom the world was not worthy. They were persecuted. Some of them put to death for their faith. These all died in faith. Having not received the promise as yet. Are you with me right now? Amen. Come on, man. You might have to live in a den somewhere, a cave somewhere, to be faithful for, to God. And the world is not worthy of you because you walk with God. But you're looking for a city whose builder is maker is God. Isn't this awesome? And watch. Verse 22. Now he's going to talk about some logistics of this city. He's going to talk about some things that are not in that city. I saw no temple therein. Why is there no temple in this city? Because I told you already. The whole city is the most holy place. 
The whole city is the most holy place. The whole city is direct access to God. You don't have to get in your car. I don't know if there's cars up there in heaven. You just travel at the speed of thought. You know what? This is silly. But I had a good friend, you know, before. Uh, I think right after I got in the church, I was talking to him about the Lord. And he said, you know, because we were in the hot rods, man. I mean, you know, I love speed. I still love speed. I do. We loved him, man. We loved to build cars. And, and he said, you know what? He said, I can't wait to get to heaven because we're going to race on the street of gold. That's not going to happen. We're not going to race on the street to go. I don't think. We're not going to do any burnouts on the street to go. No. I don't know why I brought that up. But anyway, you're not going to have to get in your car just for, for understanding. You're going to have to get in your car, drive down the road to go to church. You're not going to have to go to a different building or a different location to where you can worship God. The whole city is a temple. The whole city is the most holy place. In the Old Testament, the priests one day out of the year, one day out of the year, got to go into the direct presence of God called the most holy place only once a year. The rest of the time he was limited to the outer court and the holy place. But once a year on the day of atonement, he went beyond the veil, behind the veil, where the throne of God was located. And in that 10 by 10 cube there, he had direct fellowship with God, direct communion with God, no interference. The Shekinah, the Shekinah glory, the manifest presence of God was right there. And there's coming a time where you don't have to, come on, to go somewhere else. You don't have to go to church. The whole thing is the most holy place. No hindrances. No hindrances of the flesh. No demon powers coming against you. No carnal nature. <clears throat> Are you with me? That's why there's no need for a temple there. Because the Lord God is a temple enough. He's a temple enough. And the whole place I'm living in is a most holy place. You understand now why there's no temple there? For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. He's enough. Something else is not going to be in that city. Had no need of the sun. Neither of the moon to shine it. For the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. His face is the light of that city. He is God. Jesus is God in flesh. Oh, you talk about glory. You talk about Jesus in all his glory. He's the light of the whole thing. He don't, you don't need a sun or a moon there because Jesus in his radiant glory is so brilliant and so bright. Brighter than a million suns. That's why if you walked into his presence right now in the body that you've got, you would burn up just like that. Because his brilliance, his glory is brighter than a million suns. 
Moses got to see just to get a little glimpse of that. He was in the presence of the glory of God and he came down from the mountain and he glowed like a light bulb. He was the lamp of God because he had been in God's kinah, his presence. Paul struck down by light on the road to Damascus. A light, the Bible says, that was brighter than the sun. You see it? There's no need for a sun there. There's no need for a moon there. Because Jesus is the light. God is the light. You gotta listen, you gotta have light if you have life. See, we need the sun here for life. Because without light, there is no life. So he's there, he's the light, he's the life of that place. If you don't have a sun, everything gets disoriented. There is no proper orbit of our planet. If you don't have a sun and a moon to counterbalance the orbit of our planet, our planet would not have a proper rotation. Come on, are you with me? Our planet revolves around the sun. There's coming a time, though, everything's going to revolve around Jesus Christ. Everything's going to rotate around Him. He's the light and the light, and not only that, but He's the energy. You don't need the energy of the sun either. You don't need sun power because He is omnipotent. He's got all power, if you can imagine that. So you don't need created energy or created light there because you have uncreated light and uncreated energy there. Jesus is all of that. And the whole universe is going to revolve around him and rotate around him and be kept in proper order by him and energized by him. But that light's not limited just to that city. We'll see that in a little bit. Are y'all still awake? So there's no temple there. There's no sun or moon there to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. Can you imagine that? And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. The kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. There it is. Who is this? The kings of what? Yeah, the kings of the earth. There's those inhabitants on that new earth. They are walking in the light of that. So that light is not just for the city. That light lights the whole earth up. It's not a cursed earth. And you got these either non-glorified human beings or glorified human beings. I don't know for sure which. But they are coming into that city and bringing their honor and their glory into it. And that light of that city Think about the sun, how the sun lightens our earth. That light of that city is going to light the universe. Give God praise. <laughs> there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth. Oh, another thing that won't be there. By the way, there are seven things that won't be there. And there shall in no wise enter any, anything that defileth. No, nothing defiling it. And it's beautiful. Nothing going to defile it. You're not going to need anybody to take the trash out you're not going to need anybody to sweep the city you're not going to need anybody come on because there's not going to be any dirt there there's not going to be any garbage there oh you're not hearing me you know what ladies you probably won't even have to wash dishes there because there's not going to be anything that defiles that city there's not going to be any pollution of the air 
No pollution by dirt. No pollution. Nothing that can defile it. Can you imagine that place? That place is, there's no shadows there. Because the light of God is there, there's no shadows there. Something standing in light, no shadows there. No shadow, it's shadow free. It's glare free. Rainbow, light. Come on, somebody. Nothing to defile it, contaminate it, get it dirty. No garbage, no cleaning necessary, no pollution. Oh, isn't that, that's neat, isn't it? Not only that, not only just in the natural will there be nothing that defiles it, but there will be no thought that is evil that will defile it. No word that is evil that will defile it. No look that will defile it. No action there that will defile it. Everything will be absolutely pure and holy and truthful. Give God some praise. I'm looking forward to the time when I'll not have ever another bad thought. Never say another bad word. Never do another bad thing. Nothing in it that defiles me or pollutes me ceremonially and keeps me out of the presence of God. Nothing there. <coughs> Are y'all getting tired? Neither what, what it whatsoever worketh an abomination. There are six things in the New Testament called abomination, but I'm going to talk to you about one of them. The abomination that make a desolation. The Antichrist. In the future going to set up an abomination that make a desolation. You know what an abomination that make a desolation is? It's people that have been killed for their faith. Killed by the Antichrist systems. Murdered for their faith. There's not going to be people that are murdered for their faith anymore. Come on, you're not going to have to die. Antichrist is not going to persecute anymore. Antichrist is not going to put to death anymore. The abomination of desolation is not going to be there anymore. Religious pride is not going to be there anymore. Self-righteousness is not going to be there anymore. That's all an abomination in the eyes of God. No unholiness there anymore. That's all. Come on, somebody. You get it. You get it. Not only that, or maketh a lie. No abomination or maketh a lie. Come on. Aren't you glad that you're not going to have to try the spirits to see whether or not they are of God? Because there's nothing there that has to be tried because it's all pure truth. Right now, we got to try the spirits to see whether or not they are of God. You understand? Right now, we've got to prove all things and hold fast that which is good. But there, you don't have to prove all things and hold fast that which is good. And you don't have to try the spirits there because it's absolutely pure. No defilement, no abomination, no lie there. Give God some praise. <clears throat> I'm having a good time. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. He says, but they that are written in the Lamb's book of life, these are the citizens of that city, are the people who have been written in the Lamb's book of life. Those are the people in record there. Those who are those uh, are the people who have made reservation there. They have made preparation to be there. They have been born again. They've lived a holy life. They've lived by the rules of heaven, and now they experience the benefits of heaven. Give God some praise. And I'm going to go there. Let's... 
I'm, I'm almost done the next hour or so. But let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. These people down here, they're looked at by the world as odd. They're looked at by the world here as strange. They're looked at, at by the world as peculiar down here. But God says they belong in my heaven. Jesus, my God is awesome. Watch this. Watch this. Verse 32 of chapter 11 of Hebrews. And what shall I more say? For the time would fall me, fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David, also of Samuel, and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Women's received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with a sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in desert, in mountains, and in dens, and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should be not be made perfect. That's the way the world looks at the believer. Persecutes, kills. This is the suffering of the believer. But you know what? The world looks at the believer that way down here. But look at the way God sees the citizens of heaven. Those that are written in the Pam's book of life. Make sure that no matter what you go through, you don't let some devil start messing with your mind. That you don't let some spirit take you over or some work of the flesh destroy you. Or the world seduce you. Be careful. You're a soldier. you got to fight. You know, oh, I'm not, people don't, they reject me. I'm always rejected because of who I am in Christ, you know. And I don't, you know, people, come on, somebody. That's a small price to pay to be a citizen of heaven. They that are written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. Yeah. I'm going to finish it today. And not only that, but then he looks in that city. And he, he, you know, he describes the exterior of the city. But then he says, hey, this is what's inside of the city. The interior of the city. He said there's a river that's flowing from the throne of God. He said it's crystal clear. It's like a jasper. It's like a diamond. It's liquid God. Typically, it's liquid God. Now, you don't understand what I'm trying to say there. But, but because it's coming from the throne of God. That city, it's got to be, that river's got to be at least 1,500 miles long. At least a minimum of 1,500 miles long because the city's 1,500 miles long. And that river's flowing from the throne of God and it's crystal clear. The Bible said Ezekiel swam in it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Ezekiel swam in it. You'll get to drink from that water. 
It's like a diamond. It's so crystal clear. It's like a liquid diamond. And it's, oh, the harmony and the music of the crystal because crystals are used in producing of music. So when that river flows, it's like a crystal clear diamond and it's rolling and it's creating music at the same time. Can you imagine the beautiful melody of that river as it comes from the throne of God and of the Lamb? And then on either side of that river, there are trees. And they're producing fruit. One, and they're, they're not just producing the same fruit. But in January, maybe they're producing pomegranates. In February, maybe they're producing oranges. In March, maybe they're producing lemons. Come on. Yeah, These trees go on and on at least for a minimum of 1,500 miles. And they line this beautiful crystal stream that flows from the throne of God Almighty. And in the midst of the paradise of God, there is the tree of life. And you'll get to eat. Jesus ate when he rose from the dead. Angels ate when Sarah prepared a meal for them in Genesis 18. They sat down. I believe it was 18 Genesis. Read it and see. They sat down and ate food that Sarah had prepared. Come on, somebody. Jesus ate when he rose from the dead. The Bible says that when Israel walked through the wilderness, they did eat angels' food. When the manna came down, it came down from heaven, and they ate angels' food. Can you imagine angels' food down here on the earth? So angels eat. Jesus said that we would eat with him in the kingdom. When he sits down in the kingdom, he would eat. We would eat with him in the kingdom. So you're going to get to eat. You won't have to. It won't be necessary, but you're going to get to. So now let me read it to you so you don't think I'm completely off. There is a paradise. I said last week that this, the home of God sits down in the middle of a beautiful park, beautiful paradise. But really, really, the paradise of God is inside of the city. The river's inside of the city. The trees are inside of the city. But y'all knew that. <laughs> Hallelujah, right? Woo. The wind of God blowing through the trees. Aroma and fragrance like you have never smelt in your life. Pure air. Watch. He showed me a pure river, a pure river of water, of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street, in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river was there a tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Isn't that beautiful? Praise God. So we've got some things here. We've got fruit that's produced for the people that are in the city. And we've got leaves that are produced for the inhabitants of the earth. And they're for the healing of the nations. That doesn't mean there's sickness there because the curse has been lifted. So there's no sickness on that earth. But when he talks about healing for the nations, he's talking about they're going to get strength by those leaves. Say the tree of life is going to be there producing this fruit. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. You think about Adam. I wonder if he ever ate of the tree of life. I know he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But did he ever eat of the tree of life? Any, ever, ever did he eat? It might be that he ate of the tree of life, 
But God put him out of the garden so that he wouldn't continue to eat of the tree of life. You with me? Which means what he did eat of that tree of life hung around for a long time because he didn't die till he was 930 years. Okay, but y'all, that's to give you something else to think about. <clears throat> In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God, the Lamb, shall be in it, and His servants shall serve them. Are you with me still so far? Okay. Maybe it's one tree, but it's a huge tree. <laughs> Revelation 2, I believe it's verse 7, it talks about to the overcomer, you'll be able to eat from the tree of life. Just go up there and get a fruit. And every month there's a different fruit. Y'all tired? Y'all want to go home? No more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be, and His servants shall serve Him. And they shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, neither, they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. So the last thing I want to show you about this, this beautiful paradise inside the city of God is the throne of God. The throne of God is there, so it's a perfect government. You see, it doesn't matter how beautiful a city is, exteriorly or interiorly. If those that govern that city are corrupt. But God is Jesus. God in flesh is sitting upon that one throne in heaven. There's not three thrones. One throne, God's sitting on it in the form of Jesus. In His humanity, Jesus glorified. He's sitting on that throne, and he's administrating the whole thing. He's running the whole thing. The throne speaks of reigning. It speaks of ruling. It speaks of government. It also speaks of judgment. Watch this, but I want to show you something. Even the throne here is progressive. Because when you start in the book of Revelation, you will see Jesus standing in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Right there, he is. You know why he's standing there and he's inviting people into the most holy place or that Jerusalem of God? You know why he's standing there in the church? Because the kingdom is in progression. It is in process. The kingdom is not finished yet. So he's seen standing in the midst of the church like a Shekinah glory cloud of old, leading and guiding by his spirit within that church, ruling and reigning within the church. But there's no throne seen there in Revelation 2 and 3. He's seen standing in the midst of the throne. Revelation chapter 4, you see a throne. The throne of God, you see it. And there from that throne, God is throughout history and throughout time administering His judgments upon this earth, upon this world. Are you with me so far? Would you lift your hands and give God praise? <clears throat> Progressively, You're going to go from there. You're going to see after the fall of Babylon in Revelation 18, Revelation chapter 20, then you see the overcomers. You see people who are beheaded for Jesus in the great tribulation period, sitting upon thrones, ruling and reigning in the kingdom. You with me? Then you jump from that. You jump to the great white throne judgment. 
Now God is sitting on that throne. He's not rewarding. He's judging the ungodly, the unholy, the sinners that are going to stand before Him. He's judging them in the great white throne judgment. Are you with me so far? But when you get to this throne, you are at a final progression of the workings of God on His throne. Here it is government, not so much judgment. It is government, not so much reward. Come on, somebody. You get it? It's peace. Now, now if you go through the Old Testament, you're going to see that progression. In the Old Testament, God led Israel by a pillar of fire, by night and a cloud by day. That's a picture of Jesus standing in the church. You with me? Say amen. Amen. You go from there, you see David ruling and making everybody submit to the throne of God. You with me? Revelation 20, we see people ruling and reigning on thrones that were beheaded like David, making everything subjected to God. Are you with me so far? (coughs) Thank you, Jesus. You keep on going and you keep on going and you will eventually see that God himself rules and reigns. I'm just trying to show you the progression of the throne. When you get there, it's not going to be. You don't, you don't see reference made to the 24 elders around the throne there. You don't, you don't see what he talked about in Revelation chapter 4 there because the, the throne has progressively moved. My whole point in this is that God is going to administrate in a perfect government. It's going to be peace. Amen. It's not going to be so much judgment as it is just government. And the Bible says his servants will serve him. His servants will serve him. The word served there from the Greek word, the Greek word can be translated worship. His servants will serve him. They're going to worship him. We've already covered worship. But worship is translated by ten Words in the King James worship. There's different ways to worship. Worship is action. You can't worship God without action. When you serve Him, there's going to be action in heaven. There's going to be worship in heaven. We talked about it. You're going to halal Him. You're going to celebrate. You're going to boast. You're going to brag in Him. You're going to yada. You're going to extend the hand. You're going to toda. You're going to sacrifice the praise. All these different kinds of worship. Sing with song. Tahila. Come on. You're going to Shabbat him. We've covered all of these things. But throughout the book of Revelation, it shows you different ways to serve him or to worship him. Some people prostrate. Some people sing. Some people adoration goes up before his throne. But it's all action of worship. Y'all should know this very well. We preached on, on praise. But that's the different ways to worship him. So we're not just going to sing and praise and worship God up there, though. We're going to be involved in activity, administrating the kingdom for the king, sons in the king's kingdom, serving the king there. You're not going to be bored there. Lord Jesus, let's stand. I thank you today for your precious word. I give you glory and honor and praise. Mighty God, I pray that all of us would be there, that we would all be there, Father. That there would not be one person, God, that is in this place that have heard 
the preaching of this glorious city that you have prepared for us by your precious blood. That everybody in this place today would be born again of the water and the spirit and live a holy life. That we might be citizens of that literal, literal place. This heavenly city. We give you honor and praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if there's anybody in here right now, you're not ready. You're not prepared. You can be. You don't have to miss it. You can be there. God made it big enough for everybody. You don't have to worry about it getting crowded. You don't have to worry about your life being so evil and so terrible that you couldn't be there because Jesus made a way for you. He made a way for me. All you've got to do is repent of your sins, take the bridegroom's name and water in the name of Jesus, have those sins remitted, and be filled with the Spirit of the living God. And that will be where you will live forever in eternity. You might have to suffer in this world and be rejected in this world on the way to that one. But it's worth every bit of it. So I, I'm going to pray today for everybody here that doesn't, that's not ready, that are not born again. That have heard this message but you, and you want to be. Please don't let the devil take you out of this. Don't let anything take you out. I'm going to pray for those people. And then I'm going to pray those that are in the church today who are lukewarm. Who've lost their fire and their passion. That even heaven doesn't accept them. And ask God to reignite your passion for Him. Lord Jesus, in Your holy name, I just pray, God, right now, for those right now, Lord, who are not ready to meet You. Mighty God, I pray for them that You would bring them to the knowledge of the truth, that they would be born again of the water and the Spirit, and experience these precious promises, God, that they've seen in the Word of God. I pray for myself and I pray for the church here that if our passion has cooled our fire and our love for you we, if we've lost our first love God we repent if we become too worldly minded God and too carnally minded God we repent Jesus rededicate our hearts, minds, spirit, soul and body to you for your purpose and for those who are suffering for their faith we pray the comfort of the Holy Ghost to be administered to them now your love Jesus would touch their lives in Jesus name Amen before I dismiss is there anybody here today that you want to come right now you don't want to leave this place without being ready you want to come right now and you want to pray you want to be born again I'm going to give you the opportunity right now to do that in Jesus name is there anybody here right now now when they heard this they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do then Peter said unto them repent first step and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children. 
and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And He's still calling them today. And if you'll repent of your sin, doesn't matter what kind of lifestyle you're in right now, if you'll confess that sin, Jesus, He said it, He will forgive you. Put that sin under the blood. And after you've repented, you've turned your life around and given it to God. Next step, He says, is to be baptized in Jesus' name and have all those sins washed away. And He says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God will come and fill you. That's what the apostles preached to the lost, telling them what to do to be saved. And most churches today will just tell you just accept Jesus as your personal Savior. They'll invite you to the front to accept Him. And they use Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you will confess the Lord with your mouth and believe that, Jesus, that God has raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And they say that's all you got to do is believe and confess that and you're automatically saved. But the Bible says you've got to be born again of the water and the Spirit. That confession is only the beginning of it. That's only the beginning of it. If you don't confess that Jesus is Lord and that, that God raised Him from the dead, you can't be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. This is what the Bible says. Teach you want to help you make it to heaven. And we'll do everything we possibly can to help you along the way. God bless you. Be sure and greet our guests this morning as we're dismissed in Jesus' mighty name.